we're, we're talking about the value of our humanity, that we're made in the image of God. And unfortunately, religion has come in and just absolutely obliterated that. It's told us that the truth of our being is that we're worthless. And if you, if you start as your assumption that the truth of your being is worthless, then everything is about performance or cover-up or escape. I mean, those are your options. You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to The New Leaf Project. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us as always. Jared, we have a special interview today. Yes, we do. But before we get to that, Elle, I just wanted you to know that I'm especially fond of you. Thank you, Jared. I am especially fond of myself. I mean, you as well. Right. I'm especially fond of you as well. Folks, today we're talking about the shack, and that is a horrible reenactment of a famous quote in the movie. That was bad. That was bad. We shouldn't do things like that. No. It was a good try, though. It was, you know, we, we do our best. We do. So I can't believe this, but William Paul Young the author of The Shack, sat down with our fearless, intrepid fanboy, Jason Jason Tripp. Tripp. He's impressive. He is. He really lands the big names for the podcast. He does. He does. He got to spend some time with him and uh, said, hey, can I set up my podcast gear? And apparently William was... Did he go by Paul? Is it Paul? Paul? Or William? William Paul? Well, he... WM. He, it's. I think he's like fourth generation men who are named William that don't go by William. Oh, okay. and so he's so William Paul. Paul. Excellent. But he goes by Paul. So Paul sat down with Jason, mm-hmm. and fireworks ensued. Fireworks Wonderful. did ensue. In fact, I'm I'm really excited about this interview because this isn't just sort of a retelling of of how the shack came to be and what was the process and all that kind of stuff. Um, what's really exciting is I think Jason takes this interview in a brand new direction with Paul Young. And we get to hear a little bit more about um, Paul's life, about mm. uh, about his marriage, about the way that uh, he learned so deeply about uh, God's love. He learned about forgiveness. He learned about redemption uh, by being exposed, um, and uh, we, I won't I won't spoil the interview by telling you any more about that story. But what I love about this interview, L, is that Jason really took things in a brand new direction, and that's what makes Jason mm-hmm. such a great interviewer. So, um, but if you are interested in the shack, and obviously I think you should be, um, uh, what's really unique about this story is that um, Paul Young really never intended to become an author. He, Mm -hmm. uh, his wife encouraged him to write down sort of how he viewed his faith and his main audience was, uh, was his own children. And he, he took it to, uh, took what he wrote, um, took it to Staples, made 15 copies, handed it out to a couple of friends and to his kids. And, uh, um, they loved the story. 
Um, they helped him edit it and they really put the screws to him to make sure that it got published. And lo and behold, that is where the shack came from. It wasn't uh, some calculated commercial enterprise. It was just a lovely story of a father um, talking to his kids and his friends. And so, it got made into a beautiful movie. And it did. It did. And I think you and I should talk about that after the interview. But before, yeah, so we'll we'll save that for after. But for now, what I'm really excited about is we get to hear a little bit more about the man behind the book. Um, it's so clear, so evident that this man loves Jesus. Um, and that's what I find really, really endearing. I am especially fond of William Paul Young and Jason Tripp and it, you, dear listener. It, oh, and indeed. also you, Elle. Thank you. Well, I'm fond of all of those people that you just named as well. That's great. And I, and I hope that people love this interview as much as we enjoyed listening to it. So give it a listen. This is our very own Jason Tripp interviewing William Paul Young. All right, I'm thrilled to be here uh, with Paul Young, who's uh, in Sudbury as part of a speaking tour. And Paul, thanks for taking some time oh, to, to chat. to be with you, absolutely. It's a beautiful sunny day in Sudbury. Very different than Toronto. Yeah, this is this is home <laughs> for me, and it's it's great to have you. I guess this is your first visit to Sudbury. You're first saying? time. Yep, I've been all over all right, the uh, some some of the other parts of Ontario, but first time up here. Okay, hopefully not your last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just wanted to spend a few minutes just to just to kind of chat about your journey, and maybe you can share some words of encouragement to those who'll be listening, whether they're church leaders or church planters, or uh, maybe sort of skeptics or yeah. explorers, as I like to call them, and they're sort of wondering who this Jesus character is and what this Christianity is all about. Maybe they've been wounded or have been given toxic pictures of God. So well, that maybe seems just, to be a wide enough uh, That's, that's a pretty wide audience, I think. Yeah, so we'll, do, we'll, we'll keep the, the, we'll go, we'll paint with broad strokes here. But I mean, just connecting some of your story and you've been touring, sharing your story, the, the sort of the story behind the Shack book, which mm-hmm. has turned into a movie, which was very successful. And maybe you can just share a little bit. I, I recall hearing your, your testimony and you, you rhymed off 10 things that you had uh, in order. And I can't rhyme them off like you can, but oh, I'm going to put you on the spot. The things, the things that were in were order in went in place when you wrote the shack maybe we can just start yeah, there yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. the journey to getting those things in yeah, order yeah. and how you could maybe speak into the lives of maybe some other people who are maybe feeling disoriented in their life or in their faith right now you know so uh, i tell people that there there are two things that they need to understand about this and um i made 15 copies at office depot that did everything i ever wanted that book to do mm-hmm. you know it was a christmas present for our kids and we have six children and um and, and I went back to work, never crossed my mind to publish. So it, it wasn't a bucket list thing or, you know, do something great for God thing. The other thing that I tell people is that everything that matters to me was in place before I wrote the book. Um, and that would be identity, worth, value, significance, security, meaning, purpose, destiny, community, and love. All the things that matter to me. And uh, the book hasn't added any of that to me. But the one thing the book has done is it's opened up an invitation for me to walk on the holy ground of other people's stories. Mm. And that is an unbelievably beautiful gift. And um, over the journey of my life, of I'm a missionary kid, preacher's kid, so grew up in a very religious fundamentalism. And, um, and it took a long time, I mean decades, to unravel the kind of damage that was in my own heart and the kind of resistance that I had to trusting anyone, let alone invisible people. <laughs> you know? So uh, the, the coming to the place where I really 
I really believe that every person you see is, is this magnificent creation, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it took long enough for me to understand that about the way God looks at me. And, um, but now to, to be able to walk in a sense of freedom about that, phew, it's the best. Now those, those 10 sort of variables in your life, they were out of order for a significant part of your life. And I think, you know, myself, I can resonate with some of those. I mean, it's a journey getting those in order. And uh, I've been in my place in my life where I say, okay, this is in order. And then something happens and oh, I'm a little out of order again. It's a, it's almost like a cycle. It's a, for me, it was much more of a being thing than right. a list of, of sure. activities or mm-hmm. accomplishments. So the issue of identity is going to, is going to haunt you your whole life until you have some kind of resolution for it. So these are all things that you build your life from and the question is are is what you're building from a lie or is it actually true sure well let's talk about maybe truth and lies a little bit okay. and you've you've written another book on lies people believe about god and well, yeah, as lies you look we believe our lies god. we believe about god yeah. yeah and you know the reality is that my picture of god is always different than god and that's i think that's the first thing we all need to recognize is that none of us have a, a perfect clear picture of who god you'll is you'll never meet anybody that right that knows everything but jesus is the definitive revelation Absolutely. of who god is he only does what he sees his father doing and that, that really came to light in the book and in the movie um what would you say to people or as you observe sort of the landscape of north american christianity maybe two-part question what's what's giving you hope these days Mm. and maybe what is making your skin crawl if you're honest what are things that sort of you can you can answer either one of those yeah yeah yeah. and um i'm an optimist because uh i really do believe there is a god who's good all the time and involved in the details of our lives but not a god who coerces or controls and this, since this is about centrally about relationship, mm-hmm. um, then uh, I have this implicit sense of optimism, even in the face of, of the horrendous things that human beings do to each other, and that we are much more aware of so much quicker, you know, due to technology and everything else. Um, the world has shrunk significantly over the last 50 years. And so we're much more aware. But at the same time, there's a rising global consciousness about issues. I think 50 years from now, there won't be a corporation that doesn't have a social conscience of some sort mm-hmm. that's embedded in, in this rising awareness within humanity that politics and religion do not give us the answers, you know, that we need to find a way inside of our humanity to come to face-to-face relationship. And the, and the young people give me great hope, mm-hmm. you know, the X and Yers and the, and the millennials. For, for all the transition fatigue they have, you know, to be caught in the midst of this whirlwind, they want to be involved in something that's real and changes things and has meaning. And they also um, uh, aren't, aren't stuck to the affiliations and the divisions that a lot of us grew up inside of. Mm-hmm. So that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're walking into a different world almost every day. Sure. You know, the, the transition is so massive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the major themes in anyone who's read The Shack or seen the movie is, you know, the big question is, you know, where is God in the midst of my pain? Where is God in the midst of my suffering? That's the age-old question of theodicy. And, and can you maybe just briefly unpack, you know, in your life experiences, how you came to the place of realization that God is sort of a God of co-suffering love and, and what that means, the implications of that? Yeah, yeah, because um, aloneness was, you know, loneliness, is, as Mother Teresa says, is the dominant illness of the Western society. And, um, and it's fundamentally based on an assumption that you can separate yourself from the love of God. And so we begin with an assumption of separation. And that's where religion steps in and tells us all these 
you know, transactional, uh, simplistic uh, ways of crossing the divide. And I've, I've now, after almost 62 years of age, believe that that's fundamentally a lie and, and has always been attacked as a lie since the early church, that there is no separation, that this is a God who dwells with us in the situations that we find ourselves. And, um, and that took a long time to get to because we had a distant God who is powerful, who it was like distance really created a sense of uh, worship and respect. And, but that's contrary to everything that's happened in my life. All the worship and respect and the reverence and everything in my life has come by actually getting closer to something, not distant from it. Yeah, and it also contradicts the life we see Jesus living. I mean, it's this sort of notion that holiness is purity and not in close proximity, but distancing when they sort of is transcendent. Jesus sort of breaks that down, doesn't he? He's constantly crossing the purity boundaries. He's constantly engaging with people that were upsetting the the religious elite. Breaking all the rules. Yeah, he's a rule breaker. Yeah. I mean... um, And and he he does it by being a human being. mm -hmm. That's the beautiful part. He doesn't do it by being something other than human. He's fully human. And so he's not coming to start a new religion. He's coming to display what it means to be fully human and fully alive. Well, let's press into that a little more. What, often we talk about Jesus being fully divine, which he is, uh-huh. but what does it mean for Jesus to be fully human? One of my, yeah, one of my favorite lines, uh, the, you know, I think the Holy Spirit is constantly teaching us. And one of mine is, um, the reason Jesus does not sin is that he doesn't want to become less human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that mm, because we're, we're talking about the value of our humanity, that we're made in the image of God. And unfortunately, religion has come in and just absolutely obliterated that. It's told us that the truth of our being is that we're worthless. And if you, if you start as your assumption that the truth of your being is worthless, then everything is about performance or cover-up or escape. I mean, those are your options. And so Jesus comes to tell us what the truth of our humanity is, and we find out that it's exactly like God. Kindness, goodness, patience, long-suffering, fury at everything that hurts the ones that you love, on and on and on. Um, And it's religion who has compounded that sense of distance and separation for us in large part. Not that that religion has been evil totally. Um, It has done a lot of good things. um, but But the good things, if you look at them, have to do with human activities, the extension of kindness, education, health, uh, creation of beautiful space, Mm -hmm. art, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, but that's because human beings craft institutional structures. And so, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly are are part of what then becomes exhibited. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. so what do you think is undergirding this sort of desire for the church to stay in an institutional model or to well, fear, control? Fear, power, yeah. control. You know, and uh, we'd, rather, we'd rather have a formula than actually trust a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so give me the book about how to be married. Don't, right. you know, don't let me actually become someone who's engaged sure. with an actual relationship yeah. with my spouse. I was telling somebody today that marriage would be so much easier if somebody else wasn't involved in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah once you put it to another person in the equation, it gets messy, but it's, it's a beautiful mess. I mean, it is a beautiful mess, it, yeah. And, yeah. And, and we're designed for beautiful messes. And, uh, but institutional structures, uh, structures are all about territory, property. That's, you know, men dominate them because they're 
they turn to the ground and the works of their hands. Yeah. Now tell me a little bit about, you know, most of our listeners probably have read the book, but they maybe haven't heard your story, connected the dots a little bit. The shack really is, in a sense, a metaphor for the, the, house, sort of, on the, the house on the inside, the facade. That, yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's not the facade. It is the actual broken heart or sure. broken soul of a human being. Right. We then craft, craft out some the of the facade. timbers, yes. the facade that we drag outside the shack, and we don't want to go back in the shack, even though that's where we dump all of our addictions and our secrets, and, and it's the place of shame and lies and all that. So what were, what were some of the key turning points in your life that helped you sort of reorder and get things in order? In your, I know there's a long list, I know, but yeah, just maybe a yeah. couple moments that come to mind. Well, uh, they most have to do with the gift of exposure, you know, because it, if aloneness is our assumption, and we, when we're hiders and liars, mm-hmm. and uh, because of our shame, if nothing else, then we run into crossroads that begin to expose us. And it's, it's almost always relational. You know, our damage is usually centered in relationships that have hurt us. Our healing is going to be in relationships. And, uh, and we're going to have to work it out mm-hmm. or we'll keep running mm-hmm. um, or kill the pain somehow, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, my great sadnesses are all relational. My relationship with my dad, which was very difficult, my... Um, sexual abuse as a child in uh, a tribal culture and then in boarding school, missions boarding school. And, um, and you know, I, I built the facade, firstborn missionary kid, preacher's kid, and um, held on to the facade for 38 years, drug it into my marriage, and married a woman who had no clue what she was entering into. And uh, I didn't have the fortitude or the authenticity to tell her or to open up my own heart or life. I just did what I'd always done and disassociated, mm-hmm. you know, and performed. Yeah. And um, so the, the, the most significant turning point is getting caught. Um, for me, it was uh, getting caught by Kim, my wife, um, after a three-month affair with one of her best friends. And at that point, it was like, all right, I get totally exposed. So now all you got is the shame. You got nothing else. So what are you going to do? You're either going to kill yourself or you're going to ask for help. And I asked for help. And that started, that started an 11-year journey that is represented by McKinsey's Weekend in the Shack. Mm-hmm. So this is about the deconstruction of everything you thought was real because it's all part of the facade. It's all part of the... Uh, performance it's you know and then that tampers with everything that's scary and difficult and hard arduous Um, but that's you know so many things started happening for me Um, but thankfully you know Kim is furious enough that it took a long time for us to heal which also meant that I had to deal over a long period of time with all my stuff yeah now tell me about you know coming out the other end after those 11 years I mean I mean obviously you're you're still married to Kim. Yeah. Your family's and we're thriving. The be- we're the and best we've ever been. Right. Now, how do yeah. you... People who are listening think, yeah, right, he's just and, saying that, but that's the truth. And, and it's yeah. the truth. And it's, and it's not only the truth. Uh, here's another truth. I'm still unwinding the consequences of the choices that I made. Sure. Yeah, and, you know, the, they don't go away. They, and, but they, one, they become embedded. Your, your experience becomes embedded into the sound you become. And I think that's really important. That it's not like divorcing yourself from your history. You now are an expression of that history. So that's where you have to believe that there is a God who can climb into our darkness and our and our crap and build something or co-create something that's actually living. Um, so we're still, I'm still 
unwinding. I lost some things in that whole journey that I don't... Well, I'll never be that person again. And so who knows what that means. Um, but I still got to unwind the damage and I still got to own it and I still got to uh, relate to it. So there are pieces of that that are still not resolved. And I, as a result of that, even though some of the kids were so young at the time that it wasn't for years that I then told them, they knew. I mean, they, they, they lived, they didn't know what exactly, which in some respects was harder, but they lived in the tension of what was going on. And it took Kim and I 11 years to heal. So that's 11 years that the kids, either with knowledge or without knowledge, had to navigate uh, the emotional world of our family. Thankfully, one of the greatest gifts that we have in retrospect was Kim's dad lived with us for 17 years. Mm. And he was in the middle of all of this. And he was, he was not a man who responded like my dad, mm. which, you know, I've got... Which was part of the healing journey yeah, for you, seeing because, a, you know, I've got an authentic defense, father figure. Yep, yeah. I've got defense mechanisms against fury and rage, and, uh, but I have none against kindness and yeah. grace. Yeah, one of my favorite parts in the book and the movie is, you know, you know, Papa is revealed as Papa needed to be revealed to Mac in his yeah. pain with his father issues. Yeah. Uh, I think I've heard you say it's the, the furthest from Gandalf with a bad attitude you could get or something. Yeah. Am I yeah. quoting you right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like grandfather. Yeah, yeah. 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 But then there's a part where you're going to need a father for this part of the journey. Exactly. And that's, you know, I'm hearing that in your, as you're speaking about you know, Kim's dad coming alongside Absolutely. and helping you. Absolutely. Yeah, so God has a way of putting the people and revealing himself as he needs to reveal himself to us knowing yeah. what we need we all come we all come through different doors yeah right yeah and um a lot of times unfortunately religion wants to codify the door that i came through in order for you to be you know subject to it yeah. you know right yeah no yeah one, one of my favorite quotes in, in the book is uh you asks papa there's i think it's jesus and so you tell you tell me all roads all roads lead to the way. Do, no, do all roads lead, all to, roads Papa? lead to Papa? No, but there's most roads lead to nowhere. But there's no road I won't, I won't pursue go down yeah. to find you. And that, that just speaks of the relentless pursuing love of God. And I think that's that's yep. a picture that we need to yep. distribute to the masses yeah. in this day and age. Because you know, I grew up with kind of a monstrous, toxic picture of God, mm-hmm. and it, it took me uh, many, many years to break free from that. And if I'm honest, there's still some things I'm trying to break of free course. from. Of yeah. course, there it is. gets so deeply embedded. It is so deeply embedded, and we. Are so afraid to take the risk of trusting and finding out that we're wrong. Right. And I get those emails, you know, like, what if you're wrong? And I'm kind of like, you want to spend eternity with that SOB, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> for real? And, uh, but it's kind of like, what are my options here? An abuse of God or hell, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? pick your poison. Yeah, yeah, pick your poison, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. And, yeah. and this is the beauty of Jesus, that Jesus comes to tell us what God is really like. And that's the piece that is attractive, you know, and, and that's a point that we can then find uh, our coherence and our resonance with is that the person of Jesus tells us the truth, is the truth about the nature, not only the nature and character of God, but what it means to be a human being. Right. Uh, it's a two for one deal. It is a two for one deal. <laughs> yeah. Fully God, fully man. Absolutely. Yeah, I was at the movie and we here in the local movie theater, we bought up the theater one night and we had a, a packed house and a Q&A and a good friend of mine who you met today, you were talking to him and yeah. um, you know, he came out and we were, we were talking and he looked at me and said, I really hope God is as, as good as Papa. Come on. 
He's, I really hope. And I think that's everybody's hope deep uh, underneath I, the surface. I, but yeah. we, we, we fear that it's too good to be true. And I, I tell people, if, you're, if you think God is too good to be true, you're probably moving in the right direction. Correct. Because our picture of God can never outrun the beauty of God Correct. we see on the cross. That's Hillary, Correct. right, from the early church, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. You have to expand your imagination to be worthy of the object of what you are thinking. Why are people so fearful of that? Because it, it, it invites trust, and we're scared of trust. We'd rather control, right? Because even if we hate ourselves, we at least trust ourselves more than we trust anybody else, right? right? Yeah. And, uh, and I tell people, they say, about the goodness of God, and I say, look, I wrote God as good as I know how, and I know I only scratched the surface, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So, I mean, we, we only have a few more minutes left here, unfortunately. I'd love to spend another hour or two with you. But um, how can people stay in touch with you? How can okay. they keep connecting with you? And what, what projects are you working on? What's, what's forthcoming from so, Paul Young? So, uh, W.M. Paul Young. W.M. for William, because I'm one of four generations of Williams, none of who go by William. But <laughs> it was a joke on the first manuscript, and it's kind of been plaguing me ever since. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wmpaulyoung.com. And that'll hook you to all the technology stuff that I don't understand, but I've got young people around me. Yeah. Um, so what's forthcoming? You're doing a speaking tour? And yep. then what's uh, I'm, so I'm doing um, this, this tour for World Vision. I've also got 10 days in uh, Hong Kong and China uh, that are coming up. Uh, I did a TBN series on the shack that may as, be as many as 25 yep. episodes yep. called Restoring the Shack. Mm-hmm. Um, there's conversations already about Crossroads and Eve as major motion pictures. Yeah. So that's coming up. Just launched Lies We Believe About God, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's stirring up a whole bunch of conversation. Um, and, and a real great one. One that absolutely is needed inside the community. Because, you know, we're moving away from the brick and mortar into something else. And sure. we don't even know what it is. Yep. And, uh, and it's going to be centered in the relationship that we have found in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's, everything's going to move toward relationships. So it's going to affect econ- economics and, and neuroscience and, and shipping and receiving and being a mom and being, you know, being a truck driver. Everything's going to start to center around relational realities because that's the fundamental yeah. truth about God yeah. and about ourselves. One final question, uh, Paul. Um, what would you say final words of encouragement to maybe the, the person in ministry just slugging along, holding on by a thread, holding multiple jobs, or yeah. someone um, who is sort of on the fence. Yeah, and they, yeah, they've been yeah. wounded by religion, and they're just feeling like throwing out the baby with the bath. Sure. What words of encouragement would you leave you with You know them? what? Uh, m- draw it back to simplicity. If it doesn't work for children and first century slaves, it probably is not true. Hmm. You know, So pull it back to something that is simple. And for me, the way that I navigate through this is that I've learned, and not perfectly, but I'm way down the road, and I've learned to live inside the grace of only one day. I've stopped being a future tripper. And this is where trust lives. This is where children live. It's in the grace of one day. This is the encouragement of Jesus. You know, take all these empty, empty imaginations captive that raise itself up against mm-hmm. the knowing of God, because then that's where the lies come in. If something is telling you that God is not good, and that God doesn't know you, and that God is not involved... That'll spur all kinds of future-tripping imaginations that actually don't exist. And the temptation is to spend today's grace on things that actually don't exist. Mm -hmm. It is time to live inside the grace of the day, which means take the risk of trust. If that means you got to deal with your crap, deal with your crap. You know, 
doesn't matter if anybody else in the whole universe deals with theirs. Yeah. Uh, you know, your freedom comes from dealing with your own and then finding out that it's God who meets you in the shack, not yes. in the facade. He never loved the facade, right? And he's always driven you back toward your own soul in order to heal it. Then you discover that Papa's especially fond of you. Yes. And I'm especially fond of you. And thanks I'm so much for the time. I'm especially fond of you too. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you being with us. Paul no, Young, the honor. author of The Shack. Thanks so much for being here. Bless Appreciate you. it. Thank right. you. Take care. That was Jason Tripp interviewing William Paul Young, author of The Shack. Now, you know what, Jared? This is maybe a little known fun fact about me. Um, I've never read The Shack. You've never read it? Legit, I have never read that book. Not because I had any problems with it. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm a little weird that way. Everyone's like, you got to read this book. I'm like, eh. And to be fair, I don't read fiction. So I'm kind of an odd. You don't read fiction? I, I had. How are you a complete human being? I had a. Defend yourself. <laughs> Sorry. No, I had a like a calendar and I think I made it up. I think I'm about five years since I've read a fiction book. Good I just gravy. don't read fiction. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's all that Christian, like Christian, what is it? Christian living section. I just, I don't know. I've, and then business books and biographies and no, I haven't read. You're all business, L. I guess so. All just the facts, huh? Yeah. I like, I feel like if I'm not learning something i just don't want to use my time that way so if i want my mind to travel to a far off land i will watch a movie so books i i like they're like school i like to learn so i never read the shack but i did see the movie and i happened to go with uh, a couple people that love the shack and a couple people who um aren't christians and had read the book and it was a very deeply moving i cried like a tiny little baby uh uncontrollably at times actually had to give myself a bit of a pep talk in between the movie and say listen there l you better get her together or they're gonna ask you to leave so i really had to work that through but um the people who went that um would not say that they are christ followers were deeply moved the one gentleman was crying in the hallway and crying all the way home and just very people were very emotionally moved by it in the most beautiful tender way so i'm extremely appreciative of uh the book that got turned into a movie i think it touched a lot of people you had an experience too with the movie right you saw it i absolutely did i had an amazing experience i too i i'm human i cried too Wow. And uh, that's a, is that, is that it, a first in a long time or no, actually you're getting no, a little, no, you're, no, yeah, you're no, getting a little no, weepy in no, your older age no, there. I am, I am from a long line of criers. That's why you're growing your and beard longer so that now that you're weepy, you just it soaks up the tears, yeah, soaks up the tears. It's nice. It's uh yeah, no, that I found, I, I really wanted the shack to be a good movie. I did because I thought it was a great story. Um, I thought that it, in a fictionalized universe, in a very beautiful and poetic way, it's not a scientific treatment of God, mm -hmm. which I think is uh, long overdue. It, it, it has a specific power to it. And I think what it is, is it, it's, it, it's so beautifully communicates the love of God that you walk away and you you hope that that is true yeah absolutely you hope wow wouldn't it be amazing if God was that good yep and 
Yeah, I I was the same as you. I my I actually saw it twice. I went uh, with a group of pastors from my denomination. So we meet in networks and that was one of our network meetings. And we were in uh, a room uh, full of, uh, well, I thought they were church people. But as I later found out, there were all kinds of people who've been drawn to this story. And um, and it was a, it was an, a very moving experience to be in a room uh, full of people who are reacting to the screen in such an emotional way. I, I honestly, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm raising boys and, and I'm a bit of a nerd myself. And so I generally go see uh, superhero movies and there's not a lot of crying in those. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, it, that was a, that was fun. And I, I thought, well, I've got to take my family to this. My boys need to see this. My wife needs to see this. Um, but there are also some folks, um, uh, that are, are, are connected with us in our lives that are asking big questions about who God is. And so mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, this is, this is more information. Take it in, see what you think. And, uh, it blew, I think it blew their minds. I, it, it's a, it's a very powerful story The the movie, I would, you know, I would give it a six and a half out of 10. I think it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it, it didn't embarrass me, which I was worried it would. Right. Uh, I'll I'll go on record as saying I find a lot of uh, Christian entertainment embarrassing. It is true. Um, maybe that's for another podcast episode, but um, uh, it didn't embarrass me. The acting was pretty, pretty good. Uh, the the person that played uh, uh, God as uh, the uh, a black woman, man, incredible incredible what she did on screen mm-hmm. um so memorable um but yeah it, it was it was like i don't think it's an oscar contender i don't think it's the greatest movie that's ever made but holy smokes it did a great job of of what it was and, and what it came to communicate and so you know i think a lot of folks really worry about how do we tell this story about who this god is and um you know, truthfully, I don't think Christians have done a lot of thinking about how we can retell uh, the Jesus story. Um, and and I find that unfortunate, but this was a great retelling. But we're not just here to talk about Shaq the movie or Shaq the book or Shaq the basketball player. We're here to talk about uh, the interview with William Paul Young. Um, lots of great stuff in there. Um Stuff that that uh, um, uh, Paul is working on uh, going forward. He's working on a project called Eve. He's working on. Uh, he has another book called Crossroads. Um, I think these are going to be exciting. Now I haven't read them, and I do read fiction. Um, uh, I think it's good for you, um, L. If I do say so. Duly noted. And I think you can learn things from I, it. You can't I learn from. Duly noted. I know. I know. Duly noted. But, 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 but. This was a great interview. And I, I really loved Paul's uh, sensitivity. He's a he's a man that's clearly been through some significant pain in his life. Um, and coming to the end of yourself uh, through, you know, having, having had an affair um, uh, and, and, and left, you know, 
the sanctity of his marriage and and almost screwed that up and that they are still together mm-hmm. and that they have found a way through that um is a testimony to uh the lovely and wonderful woman that he's married to but it's also a testimony to uh the power of god to bring about healing and so when i remember reading or watching the shack i remember thinking this is a person the the author is a person that has been to the end of themselves and um and knows a deep sense of god's love mm-hmm. i before i ever knew paul's story that's that's what i had assumed and i love the fact that jason's interview brought that out in blazing technicolor yeah absolutely and i think maybe some people are wondering like why would we have an interview with with william paul young you know he's not a church planter not necessarily starting anything new but you know what i look at the shack as an incredible tool that you could be using to have these kinds of spiritual conversations i look at the shack as um you know something that the whole idea of actually living and in an understanding of the position that we have um, as God's beloved is an incredible thing when you're doing ministry, when you are planting a church, when you are um, trying new things, when you're innovating, when you are trying, you know, a refresh perhaps in an older church, whatever it is that you're doing, having and be, being centered in the love of God, knowing who you are, knowing that you are loved and not just knowing it intellectually, but knowing it deep in your being is like, one of the most incredibly important things I think that you can have is a true knowledge of God's love. And the shack absolutely communicates that. Um, and I think that's a, a really important thing for us as we continue to look um, at the Canadian landscape and we look at our, our friends and our neighbors. You know, we need to understand that love of God in a deep, deep way because they need to understand that God loves them in a deep, deep way. And it's a, it's a great tool to use to do that. And so I was, I was so happy that Jason was able to connect with him. I I actually think it fits even better than than you might think, El, because there's a couple things going on here. One, Paul Young is a Canadian. This is true. And we're all about amplifying Canadian voices. Number two, uh, he started something. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, this was a, a little project that turned into something incredible. And, 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 and that's something else we want to celebrate is when people decide, Hey, I'm not just going to be a consumer. I'm going to be a starter and not, not everything has to be for a million people. And hopefully it gets a Hollywood deal. That was never why uh, he started this project in the first place. And so I think the impulse even that he was following is something that we're all about trying to encourage um, and the other thing is, um, you know, I, that as he, as he edited this book, um, the people I think he wanted to reach out to are people that are, um, uh, uh, have been injured mm. sometimes by our explanations of who God is. Yep. Um, and I, I mean, th- that's so clear in Jason's story. It's it's a clear part of my story. I know it was a part of your story. Absolutely. There are so many people uh, in the Canadian context that have been injured by the explanations that, that others have given us for who God is. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes um, uh, the theology that some churches hold forward about God truly, truly makes him sound like a monster. Yep. 
And what's so refreshing about the shack is that is not at all what's going on. And, uh, and we're all about that too. There are people, um, the, the fastest growing religious designation in Canada are people who have, uh, many of them have listened to our story and don't buy it. They are not interested. And in part, it's because we describe a monstrous God. Um, it's very true. The, one of the other things is that a lot of people are leaving the church. Um, that's something else we're we're wanting to steer our little network into is, uh, and they're leaving the church again because the explanations we give, the brittle theology, the the hypocrisy, the the bureaucracy, the the hierarchies, the patriarchies, all of the things that that the church uh, swallows hook, line, and sinker. Uh, too often are driving our young people away. And this is something that we need to start addressing. Now that's not to say we have to change the story to fit the culture. Um, but like real missionaries, we have to do some thinking about where our culture is at and what is our starting point. And I think the shack brilliantly finds a new starting point. And I'm also uh, really excited after this podcast to give uh give a read to some of his other stories. I hope they're equally as, as helpful and, and, and meaningful. So, uh, if you're, if you're into it, friends, and, uh, and, and you, you are looking for something, uh, to read, uh, Shaq is very simple read, very easy read. You can be done that in a matter of, of days, L. You could, you could, you too. Me too. Could even read this book. Me too. Um, and maybe we can break that five-year streak. It's a tough one. But the, if, any, um, but if anything's going to do it, I will say the track has a strong chance. Strong Absolutely. Chance. Absolutely. And also, friends, it's a good book to offer any of your friends that are, are um, you know, just asking some questions and, and want somebody else to talk to. This is a brilliant book. It's a very gentle book. It's a very lovely book. It's written from such a heart of love. And, and uh, I think it's a, it's a gift to the people of Canada. I think it's a gift to the people of the world. And I'm excited for, um, uh, for this story to keep, uh, keep on going the way it's going. And no one paid us to say that either. No, No, nobody at all. No one at all. That just came from. You sounded almost sarcastic there. And I want to be clear. Oh, no, Actually, legit. No one, no one paid us. To, oh, sorry. Did I? Oh, no. That's bad. And sounded, it sounded a little sounding facetious. Sarcastic, I was worried. Even when I don't I mean to. And no one paid us to say that. Legitimately. No. That is, no, we actually think these things. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> well, friends, thanks as always for tuning in and listening to us and hanging out with us. If you are looking for some information about New Leaf, you can always check us out on the website, www.newleafnetwork.ca, our blog. We're having lots of great Canadian writers offer up lots of interesting content. Um, we have lots of episodes from the podcast that you can listen to and always keep an eye on our events page for new and upcoming events that are happening hopefully one near you because we would love to meet you and we would love for you to connect with other New Leafers as well. You can also uh, drop by our Facebook page, like our stuff. Don't like our stuff. That's fine, too. Uh, be kind if you're going to be critical. But, you know, uh, please, we'd love to hear from you. Interact with us online. We love when we post new things to have people uh, comment and share. Uh, that's a big part of, of how we get the word out there, too. So if, if you don't mind, instead of just liking an article, maybe make a comment. 
Uh, or if you really like what we what we just said or what we shed, what, what we uh, what our perspective was, then please go ahead and share that on your Facebook uh, page, and that will help um, help our voice to grow in the Canadian context. So if you're looking for just some simple ways to get involved with us, that's one of them. That's it from us for this uh, episode. Uh, stay tuned. We got lots more great content coming up. And uh, if you're interested, Jason Tripp does all kinds of other interviews. So you can you can find him in some past episodes. So thanks for uh, listening and thanks for hanging out with us. Bye, friends. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.